Hey, welcome to Come On You Spurs TV, where we talk about everything Tottenham. Today we are doing a preview of the match between Tottenham and Liverpool, taking place at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. Uh, kickoff five thirty Saturday evening, uh, late kickoff. And to do the preview with me, I have Chuma. Chuma is our in-house guru, as we like to call him, uh, walking encyclopedia of Tottenham and Spurs and, and, and football in general. In the meantime, come on you Spurs. Welcome back. Uh, this is Come On You Spurs TV. Like I said in the intro, where we talk about everything Tottenham. And Tuma is here with me to preview the match. Tuma, how are you? I am abundantly blessed and thankful to be a Spurs fan. Absolutely fantastic. All right, a bit of housekeeping. Um, for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome to Common You Spurs Nation. If you could please subscribe. Um, smash the like button, um, share, click on the notification bell to let you know every time we upload new content. Um, comment as well, we'd like to hear what your feedback as well, uh, what you'd like to see, commenting on what we've said and anything else you'd like to add on our Spurs journey. Come on, you Spurs. Absolutely fantastic. Yes, yeah, so welcome back. Uh, have you recovered from the excitement uh. of the North London <laughs> Derby? <laughs> I, 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 I've been, I've been enjoying feasting on humble pie of some Arsenal fans. Okay. So it's been, it's been, a, it's been a wonderful week of them accepting, grudgingly, that we were up to something where we, we have something that they can see something happening. They're not very pleased that we have Ange Postecoglou and that Ange is implementing his methods, and so they are not happy. And anytime you see an unhappy Arsenal fan, I think it's a it's a moment of celebration, don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely. It's 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 it was one of those matches when you look back at it and you think to yourself, Oh wow. Even though it could have gone either way and perhaps two two was probably a fair result at the end of it all, um, mm -hmm. given how the whole match panned out, but you still feel to some extent that we had a very good chance of coming away with all three points at the end of that of that match. Yeah. Indeed, indeed, we 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 snatched a draw from 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 a potential victory. Well, However, we're not we're not displeased, and also I, I like to use this opportunity to counter a narrative that has been floating around that Tottenham fans are celebrating a draw at the Emirates. We're not celebrating a draw at the Emirates as much as celebrating the fact that Arsenal fans, for some Arsenal fans, not all, some Arsenal fans, were going around saying that we were going to get smashed, absolutely demolished, obliterated at the Emirates. And we're celebrating the fact that not only did it not come to pass, but the fact that we gave them such a good game that somewhere in the back of their minds, they were afraid of losing. And that almost became a possibility. And that's what we celebrate. We celebrate the fact that we, 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 were, we persevered with our system. We persevered with our methods, despite the pressure and the environment. 
and that's why we celebrated. Not celebrating your job. We don't celebrate. I'm not. I'm not even sure it was a celebration. It was more a celebration of the performance of the boys. You know, them giving a good account of themselves on the day, as opposed to saying that we were happy with the draw. Of course not. We weren't happy with the draw. Exactly. I think we were quite disappointed that we didn't come away with the point in that match. I I was anyway. So, and that that sort of tells it all. Um, to go away to to the so-called one of the top teams in the in the league at the moment. You have to (laughs) come in. Got that credit, hey. I mean, grudgingly, but hey, you know that's that's what they say. Twenty second last season, so hey, um, you've got to give them that. So you can't take that away. It's a fact. Uh, we didn't do that great last season, so we're paying the price for of um of presumably not measuring up to what we're capable of last season. So that's, I mean, last season's gone. We have an Ange now, and talking of Ange, Ange. This is Ange's second red team, if you like, that we're facing. At, this is, uh, yeah, this, this is Ange's red challenge part two. That's probably where it should exactly. be then, part two. This is, absolutely. So, Liverpool coming over to Tottenham. And just reminds me of when Klopp took over from um, in, in, at Liverpool when he first came. It's a total opposite here because Klopp was meant to be like some sort of um, miracle worker who comes in from Germany with his uh, Dortmund record. You know, he was like, I mean, getting the cream of the cream, cream de la cream type um, manager to come in and, and make a difference to uh, Tottenham, uh, sorry, to, to Liverpool at the time. And now we have a, 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 um, a manager who he didn't, it wasn't quite um, hyped up as a miracle walker, if anything at all, when he first got appointed, a lot of pundits were like, and who? Who's that? You know, sort of thing. Like, and you had all these sort of people coming up with a lot of woodwork and saying how we have, how poorly we'll do this season, how you can go in, new manager, who doesn't know the Premier League, there's only one in Scotland, Scotland is not the Premier League. And, but he's kind of confounded a lot of those critics at the moment. He's had a very good start, you know. Um, so, on the one hand, the good start is almost like a total contrast to what um, um, Klopp had. I mean, when 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 he first came in, he didn't win anything for how many years? Remind me, yeah, remind us. Yeah, so it's about it's, it, it took him about two years to get them playing functionally how he wanted them to. Yeah. And if you remember, they played us in that game, that famous game where they had um, uh, Dejan Lovren as centre back, and uh, yeah. he got abused. He got abused. Completely by Harry Kane, and we won four 0 at Wembley. I think it was four one. Yeah, that was yeah that four one. I think yeah. yeah. So that was that was Klopp. That was Klopp early stages, and in my opinion, I think Angie's early stages have been. I I don't know. I think I think it's really interesting because I expected us to do well, but I didn't expect us to have as good a start as this. But then I realized that as much as certain members of our fan base keep going on about deadwood and you know useless players and everything else the quality that spurs has technically with all due respect to chelsea uh, to celtic and to yokohama marinos and brisbane and all the other teams he played the quality is so much higher so he's working with more quality players more technically gifted players so I think it's, it's actually quite easy for his methods to translate into actual wins and actual good football quicker than it did there. That's not to say that we're not going to face challenges, but my goodness, I think the players also embraced 
his football and they are technically superior, I think, as a group, not individually technically superior to everyone at Celtic, but as a group, I think they are technically superior to any team he has ever coached in his life. And it's showing. His, his message is coming across very, 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 very clearly and very fluently as well. So, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, everyone seems to be sort of really, really pleased that he's been able to sort of implement or uh, to have the team play into his style. And it's so obvious to anybody watching that, uh, I mean, the team have literally bought into his um, psyche and everyone's like, coming up with the same hymn sheet. And you're having plenty of and praise everywhere you go. I mean, there's everywhere you go online, it's how Tottenham are playing well. A lot of pundits, if you like, didn't give us a chance. I mean, at the beginning of the season, in terms of those they felt would uh, be in those key competitive sport, uh, spots. I mean, top top four, you know, top six. I mean, no one even had us in the top six. You know, I looked at, I was looking back at some of the um, some of the predictions that some some of the folks had at the beginning of the season, and no one had us as top six. Now, I mean, granted, it's only early days. I mean. Nothing is won in, in September. Um, it's what yeah, people are beginning to change the team already. Now, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's clearly some indication of how much progress or how much of an impact he's having on not just Tottenham but on the whole world of football in general. And it's a lovely place to be in at the moment, isn't it? Yes, it is. And in fact, I'll, I'll tell you, there's a there's a catchy there's a catchy uh, buzzword at the moment online. It was started by um, um, I may butcher his name here, Carlo Gar Garganese, I think, and Nima uh, Nima. I can't remember Nima something. Anyway, the Italian the Italian football podcast, and uh, Carlo came up with this word years ago called premface. So premface is basically his. It's sort of like a put down to journalists, pundits, ex-players, all the people in the media that they only watch Premier League games. They don't watch any football outside. So anything outside of the Premier League is deemed inferior or not suitable or not up to scratch. And the prem faces, basically, the, the pundits, you always see that, always talk and they always big up the English league or the English players or the English national team, but they don't look outside. They're the ones that discover that, oh, my God, oh, Dennis Bergkamp is a good player. Oh, oh, my God, um, um, Zola is amazing. When everybody else who's watched football outside knew that Zola was really good or all these players were really Patrick Fierre and all these people were actually quite good players. So Prem Face is what happened to Ange. They, they Prem Face Ange. They are only looking at their thing going, we don't know about you. You're in a league outside, a league that we consider inferior. Forgetting this man has put a body of work where he's teaching the same method over 30 years. You know, in, in any other work of life, we welcome people with more experience. In fact, you and I are both based in the UK where employment-wise, they don't even care about the qualifications as much as the experience and, and the technical know-how. And that's what Ange has in, in, in spades. So there's no surprise. It's only a surprise to the people who were very close-minded close -minded and I'm happy for them. Some of them have really come back on, on their words and they've actually admitted, you know, the same as people did in Scotland. It's like history is just repeating itself. Everything he's going through now, he actually went through in Scotland. The Scottish Absolutely. fans, Celtic fans said the exact same thing. Where, so it's literally, they said to us, you will do the same thing that we did. We doubted him. He came in and he proved himself. 
and he kept proving himself. We kept waiting for him to fail, and he just refused to fail. And you know, that's not to say that there will not there will not be adverse results or anything like that. But so far, so good. And on a game by game basis, this is you know, there are so many things that are blessings to Spurs as well. Being out of Europe is such a huge blessing because imagine Arsenal had to play PSV midweek. Now, while they cruised against PSV, that was still a game where they had to focus. And then they came the weekend and the North London derby. They didn't use it as an excuse, thank God, because they would have used that and said, oh, you know, we played Champions League. Some people probably did. But Spurs have a clean slate. We're not there. We're not in the League Cup, unfortunately. That would have taken us this midweek as well. We'd have had to play in the League Cup, um, you know, and against Norwich if we'd beaten Fulham. So you have to think of, like, the little blessings that things that started off as curses or the wrong things that happened to Spurs, but ended up becoming huge blessings. We have a week to continue training. Injuries are probably going to be less this season. Like, look at it. We have a very good first 11. We don't know what the second 11 would be like, you know, if they decide to play. Some would say that was what the Fulham game showed us. However, you know, our first 11 can stay fitter for longer because we're only playing a game a week or two games max, you know. So, happy days. Happy days, happy days indeed. Happy days indeed. Now, in terms of um, form going on into this match, um, Liverpool are one point ahead of us, aren't they, on, on the table? Yeah. And yes. um, they are riding high. They, they, I mean, they're you know, coming from behind. And in terms of possibly, maybe we just nudge ahead of them slightly in terms of uh, being what we call the comeback. Kings, if you like, um, because uh, Liverpool have come back from a lot, a lot of um, losing a positions this yeah. season, you know. I mean, most yeah. of the matches that they've, yeah. they've played this season, they've had to come from behind, you know. And on account of that, it just means that it really doesn't matter who scores first in this sort of match. Now, before we go into the sort of predictions as to how the match is going to turn out and, and all that, you know, I mean, you do get a sense of what people are expecting in terms of... Um, how we're going to set up in comparison to Liverpool and how Liverpool, uh, I mean, because if we just essentially what are going to be the key battle areas? That's, this is the question here. I mean, what I mean, in my view, I think I mean, I, I probably have a view in terms of I think probably going to be in the midfield area, you know, where they have they have people like Sobotzai, McAllister, they have um. Um, what's our third man's name there? Can I they have, they have, they have uh, Gravenberg that they just bought from uh, Bayern Munich, the Dutch boy, Dutch boy. Right. So, and when we 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 have Bissouma, we have um, Sa, and, and then we have Madison, um, who are like the engine room in that midfield of ours, and they, they've kind of given a good account of themselves so far this season. I mean, at least mm. our midfield, and um, it's more, I would say that. I mean, without sounding cocky or, or too self-assured, um, you find that a lot of people give uh, are begin to give that midfield a lot of respect. Bisuma tops the, the, the league in in terms of his uh, um, interceptions, in terms of moving the ball into key areas, in terms of tackles, passing. It's just been a big, huge revelation this season. And Madison... Too, too bad either. I mean, it's just I'm I'm loving what's going on in that in that in that midfield. You know, how do you think they rate against Liverpool? 
Okay, the, the first thing you, you talked about the key battles, and you're very right. Um, Tottenham's midfield against their midfield, but also it's also our front three against their front three as well. Like their front three is highly fun highly functional and rotational as well. So you have, of course, the linchpin, Mohamed Salah. But then you have Darwin Nunes, who in his second season, Darwin Nunes is getting better. I think he's mentally over. He had a mental sort of crutch last season that he would miss chances and he would get down. But now he's like, no, the chances are going to come. So if you watch him, he misses a chance. He scores the next one. So Darwin Nunes is doing well. And then Luis Diaz as well has settled in after his long-term injury last year as well. He's back. He's running fully. So you've got three of them and you've got our front three of um, Kulusevski, um, Son, and it could be Richarlison or Brennan Johnson. If we keep the same side as against Arsenal, if Brennan Johnson is fully fit because he had a hamstring issue. Our front three and our midfield threes are really the most exciting, probably the most exciting in the league. Barring, you know, Arsenal and Manchester City, we know them from last year. But in terms of this season, in terms of emerging uh, teams, Liverpool and Tottenham have the best midfield three and um, attacking front three that the season can has produced so far and you can see it in the numbers liverpool look reborn because the real problem was you know the liverpool midfield aged out you had henderson you had milner you had fabinho and he, they couldn't really play rock and roll football as everyone knows club <laughs> rock and roll football. <laughs> where they are pressing yeah they are running but all of a sudden you know you take out these players and you've injected gravenberg uh, curtis jones who has become more solidified in the first team um, squad now and then you have Slobosai, who I've been a huge fan of Slobosai for years. And, you know, it's one of those cases of a player that you want and someone else gets. And I'm not surprised at how quickly he's taken to the Premier League and how quickly his, his impact has been felt. And I think if there's anything I would say is the huge advantage, as much as we talk about midfield, I think it's actually defence that's the, that it's going to be a key thing in this game because... Um, We've seen Van Dijk all these years. Virgil Van Dijk has been probably a colossus in Liverpool's defence. I think he was he and Alisson, the goalkeeper, were the huge reason Liverpool turned the corner in Klopp's revolution to win their title and then win the Champions League as well. Virgil Van Dijk was a huge part of that. But as with all things, powers powers start to wane as the years go by, as the injuries clock. I don't think he's been the same since his injury. And you look at who partners him as well. You have uh, Matip, not really that great. Then you have, um, I can't remember who else is next to him again, the French, Konate. Konate is good, a bit rash. Uh, and then you have people like Joe Gomez and then even Trent Alexander-Arnold that have had their struggles in their positions. Trent Alexander-Arnold, brilliant ball distributor, but as a fullback, he can be attacked. So you look at that Liverpool defence, but you look at Tottenham's defence and we're flying at the moment. You know, we're, we're conceding goals, but we're not out of control. Romero, Van der Ven, Udogi, who is by far probably the most, the best left back in the league at the moment. You know, and then Pedro Porro, who was seen as a supposed weak link, but all of a sudden has been actually putting up very good defensive displays and distributing the ball as we know he can. So I think it's defence where Spurs has the advantage over Liverpool. And... Midfield-wise, we could match up pretty well. Attack-wise, we match up pretty well. But which, which defence would be more troubled? I think Liverpool's defence would be more troubled by Spurs' attack and midfield than Spurs would be for them. 
Interesting. Very, very interesting stuff. So, um, if you if you look at our defense and how they stand up against potentially the, the, the attack, I mean, we have. I mean, uh, before we look at before we look at the potential side lineup of who who we're gonna have on the on, on, on pitch on the day, but if we just sort of say, I mean, potentially we will probably line up with Poro, um, Van de Ven, Romero, and uh, Udoge, um making a back four. Now, um, how would you rate that against uh, Liverpool's front line? I, I would rate them very favorably. I think, um, uh, I think Destiny Udogi, I think, had a real test at the Emirates against uh, Bukaya Saka. And he handled Saka very well after he initially got turned properly in the first half. And he learned a valuable lesson about uh, about. Uh, Saka being that he's left-footed and inverting inside, how he has to show him out more. And I think he would try to do that more with Salah. Salah is better with his right foot than, than Bukaya Saka is, but if you show him right, you minimize him a bit more. So Salah and Salah versus Udogi would be, I think that would be a highlight of... of, of something to look forward to, uh, right? Something to look forward to. It was the same way at the game against Arsenal. Um, in terms of Darwin Nunes against Van de Ven and Romero, I think it's more Van de Ven, I think, would handle um, 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 it's more him that would try and go for Darwin Nunes more. And I think, you know, Van de Ven is just a, he's a smooth operator. Like that, the, the Shade song, I, I call it, I call him a smooth operator. He's just someone that is going unnoticed, but he's just doing that work. He's putting in that work and you can see it. And, and, and so Van der Ven against him, Romero probably helping out more against Luis Diaz with uh, Poro because Luis Diaz is going to be a very tricky customer. He is the one, I think, he's doing the running for Salah now. Salah always had money to do the running for him. Now he has Luis Diaz. A lot of interesting battles going to go on on that day and I've, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm, I'm sure a lot of Tottenham fans are also looking forward to what what the map will look like um, on 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 the day. Now, <clears throat> our midfield has um, our, our classic performers, if you like, um, Bisuma, Madison, and Sa. Now, I just I'm so pleased with that with that lineup. I mean, I don't see us changing that for any reason. Maybe my being in Hoiberg, you know, I don't know. I don't know how fit Madison is going to be. In terms of, you know, we had a bit of a knock uh, against Arsenal. Now, I don't, I'm not even sure if Loselso is fit as well to start or even, even play as well as well. So I don't know what the injury situation is like. Do you, do you have an idea? Well, I, th- I think um, Madison picked up a knock, but that this is the advantage, like I said, of having the week long um, break is, you know, these little micro problems, you can be sorted out and, you know, stuff like tight hamstrings or, you know, you know, like certain minor injuries or knocks, you can they can heal faster during a week's break as opposed to playing in midweek or you know trying to. Now they have the time, so I think he's okay to play. It's Brennan Johnson, I think, that is more the concern uh, because I think it's more a hamstring thing. And you know, Tottenham, I think, in the last couple of seasons, we've really suffered our share of hamstring issues with our players, Sessing on being the prime. Uh, problem with uh, with hamstrings 
you know, but you know, hopefully, you know, I, hopefully Brian Johnson breaks through, but you know, we have Richarlison as well. So it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of spoiled for choice if, if that didn't happen. And, and for whatever reason, this is just my personal opinion. I think that should Lo Celso not be fit, I really think we might have, we might start to see Dejan Kulusevski coming a bit more central. You and I spoke about it off air about how he became a bit more central in the Sheffield United game. Yeah. And you could see that he was quite good in those central positions. I wouldn't be surprised. I watched some training footage that kind of showed him still in those positions and shooting. And I was like, maybe Ange somewhere along the line is planning to unleash him as the creative 8-10 that Madison is, should Madison you know, be held down for any reason. And Los Celso isn't ready to play as well. But yeah, it's, it's, I think a lot will hinge on Bissouma. Um, Bissouma started slowly against Arsenal. And then, but as he picked up, so, so did we, you know, our, our, our ball progression, you know, relies on how quickly Bissouma handles, uh, handles midfield or gets a grip of midfield. So if Bissouma kicks off really early, and being that this is a home match, I think he will. Then we're in for we're in for a wonderful ride. So, would you go for a Poro instead of um, Emerson, or rather Emerson instead of Poro? Because Emerson, I mean, Poro has been starting so I mean, so far this season. And the reason I asked that question is because with a view to coping with Diaz on the other side, you know, of um, of, of Salah. So you probably will have Nunes in the middle and uh, Diaz coming from the from the left hand side. Yeah, I, 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 see, the thing is, like, I expected, so remember we spoke uh, we spoke at the preview before the Arsenal match, and I expected Emerson to come back because I felt, you know, they needed more physicality. But lo and behold, I think Poro is now the starting right back for Tottenham Hotspur, and I think Emerson is his, is his deputy, and I think Poro will start this game as well. Also, for the, for the mere fact that if you're playing, I think, Brennan Johnson and you're playing uh, Son, people who can run in behind, yeah. And Liverpool play a high line as well. You need a player who can launch it from the back, that can pinpoint. And we saw that especially against Burnley, how um, Poro was just like what, what do you call it, a spotter's badge, <laughs> spotter's badge passes. It was just simply look, get the ball on top, bam, and it's on your, it's right in front of you. People like Brandon Johnson and Son, you really don't want them playing them behind you or off your shoulder. And that's what I think. So I think he's there defensively. I think. He may he may be challenged or struggle, but it depends. Let's see how he copes with it, you know. But I I see him starting. Maybe Emerson still comes on later in the game as well, if if and when results are favorable to Tottenham. I think you just show it up by bringing Emerson on. Let's have a quick um, rundown of what we think would the lineup would look like. Um, I think we've more or less settled on the fact that it's going to be poorer, isn't it? And then. And yeah. and Udoge on both sides of the, <laughs> you know, of, of of the back line, and then Van de Ven and uh, Romero in the middle. Yeah, I think he might drop. You think he might drop Vicario? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you know what you know what's interesting is um you know a lot wasn't made of it, but my goodness, he was just one jump away from getting his ankle broken by um, Inketia in Honestly. that match. How Inketia escaped without a red card is beyond me. But thank goodness for his sharp reflexes to be able to sort of semi-jump out of that challenge. Because if Vicario had gone down, I, I feel to see, like, you know, I love Fraser Foster, but, you know, I, I don't think it will be the same without 
Vicario. Vicario has really cemented himself for someone who started off so shakily. He invites so much pressure onto himself and then just plays a simple pass in between the lines to the to the to the player coming back. Uh, he's just been he's been growing the same way we we are growing as a team. Um, the individuals within that team, the the, the new core, him Van der Ven, Udogi, you can see them growing with every match. And yeah, Vicario Vicario is uh, is 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 uh, is, uh, is one of the first names on the sheet now, literally. Yeah, I mean, I think if people look back to some of the episodes we had before uh, in the past, I think we had one where we said, what's Ange cooking at Tottenham um, before the season started? If you go back and look at that episode, we spoke a lot about how we felt the team would line up. And things, a lot of those things have come to pass, exactly how we, mm. exactly how you said that apparently in, in, in the past. So, so, so Nostradamus... <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather be Optimus than Nostradamus. <laughs> I think Optimus Optimus is a better life. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Um, score lines. What do you mm. think that score line would look like um, at the end of um, ninety minutes on, on Saturday? Well. Ange has a habit of scoring more than two goals per game. Everyone now knows that we score two goals or more. So I always think it's a difference of two. So I would have opted for 2-0, but I have the sneaky feeling Liverpool score against Tottenham quite a lot. So I'm going for 3-1 to Tottenham. Okay. Do you want to sort of uh, venture a guess as to who the scorer or who might be on the score sheet? I, I don't know who all the scorers will be, but I think Richarlison will score. If Richardson plays, if Richardson starts, I think he scores. If he comes on as a sub, possibly he scores. But I think Richardson has, yeah, I think something about being an ex-Everton player, being an Evertonian, uh, it rankles with Liverpool fans. They don't like him much. And he gets under their skin and he scored that goal, his first league goal last season, or his only league goal last season against Liverpool. I think... He has the the measure of their players. He, he knows how to rattle them. So if he plays, I see him scoring. I also see, like, if Brennan Johnson, I'll, I'll venture another score, Brennan Johnson as well. If Brennan Johnson gets to play as well, if he's fully fit, yeah, I think this match favors people who can run in behind. I don't think Van Dijk and Matip have the legs if Konate doesn't play to match up to our guys playing in behind them. I don't think they do. So I'm going 3-1. 3-1 to Spurs. Absolutely fantastic. I I would probably go for a two 0 um, Tottenham and them not them not scoring. You know, hey. So I think I think Richardson will score a brace. Uh, that's that's what asked me. But hey, um, he scored, <laughs> scored like his first that. goal last season against them. So um, yeah, um, hoping that that will be the case again. To go margin, um, Tottenham on top. That's my prediction. I know that I'm a bit optimistic, but I mean with the start that had this season so far. I think it's um it's not too far fetched to expect a Tottenham win home win on this on this occasion. <coughs> it will be it will be a tough match without without a doubt because Liverpool don't sit back, you know. And because they don't sit back, it's all offers us a lot of opportunity for attack and we don't sit back either. So fascinating prospects, you know. Exciting prospect as well. <coughs> Final words, Chuma. Um, well, like you said, it, it, I, I look forward to a high-octane game. I think it's going to be a lot of back and forth. It's going to be end-to-end. Um, both managers have an ethos that, that demands that their team attack and press, 
counter press. So this is going to be a wonderful spectacle for the neutral, uh, but somebody's unbeaten run has to end, and I and I think it's going to be Liverpool's unbeaten run that ends at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and onwards and forwards, tangible goals. Fantastic. Right, so we are going for a Tottenham win. Uh, and tester and and red challenge will possibly end the victory for this time around you know phase two and i think um we, we very much look forward to uh, a possible outcome on, on this one um guys if you want to join us on the live stream post match please join us it starts at 8 15 um i think the match ends at about 7 30 so 45 minutes after the end of the match we'll kick off a live stream uh, i'm not sure if Chuma can join us, but if you can, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, um, catch you guys. I uh, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Catch you guys on the other side. In the meantime, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Uh, Gosh, there you go.